I was thinking this week at some point, it's not the, it's certainly not a novel idea. Why didn't they just stagger or at least phase in the return to travel so that we don't see this chaos that we're seeing at airports these days? Why didn't they just sort of say, okay, we're going to take this slow until the whole system can get revving up again. And, and then we'll make sure that, uh, that it, you know, it's like a well-oiled machine. It's never really a well-oiled machine at an airport, but still a bit better than we're seeing now. Even today I had friends who were, you know, lots of people going away, going places these days, taking advantage. You know, one person missed a wedding because their flight was delayed. Another person missed a ball game in Toronto because their flight was delayed. Um, Paula Simons, the senator yesterday from Alberta, got caught on some flight that took forever to get to Montreal and she didn't get back to Edmonton. It's everywhere these days. Um, So all these changes we saw this week, will it change much? Pearson today, almost all flights were either delayed, both arriving and departing, some canceled. And that was after yesterday. In the US, they canceled more than 1,500 flights uh, on Thursday, one of the worst days yet. And we're not even at peak travel season yet. So what to expect, and why didn't we do this better? Well, someone who knows a whole lot about the aviation industry is Peter Wallace. He's an aviation expert with an extensive background, both on the airline side, on the CATSA side, and on the airport side, and he joins me now from Calgary. Peter, thanks for your time. Happy to be here. So, uh, I mean, we're seeing a lot of a lot of problems at uh, many airports in the country these days. Um has anything that's been done this week, whether it's the mandates or the hiring of new staff, is anything uh, that you're seeing out there lead you to believe that this may ease before it gets worse, considering we're about to head into uh, uh, the peak summer period? I, you know, I don't think it's going to get worse. I think it's just going to improve. And, and I'll tell you why. Um, basically, the aviation industry, and now we're talking about airports and we're talking about air carriers and we're talking about passengers. Um, there are a number of factors in the supply chain business. They, they call it the bullwhip effect, where you know something happens at one end and it, uh, it, it expands as it goes up and down in a wave motion. So we've had the, the pandemic, which has um, been um, uh, slowly moving off our radar screens. And as it moves off our radar screens, we're saying, look, we want to go out and travel. Well, the airlines are saying, we've got a lot of uh, airplanes that are sitting there. We need to fix them make sure they're airworthy again. Uh, by the way, we're going to need crew for these airplanes. Now, most of those have been furloughed, so they have to be brought back and, and retrained. And, you know, that's a process that I, I don't know how long it takes, but it takes some time. So you're as an airline, you've got the product ready to put it into the air, um, and the passengers are ready to go. And, yes, there are restrictions on our travel, whether it be masks or the, uh, the mandate at the various airports for testing. Well, those are slowly coming off. The one that's remaining is is masks throughout the airport and on the airplanes. Uh, I, I think I predict those will come off relatively soon as well. Uh, but then you've got the other, once again, the, the, the bullwhip effect is it's affecting some of the services at the airports, whether it be customs or indeed the, the CATSA, the folks that are doing the screening. Uh, I've had some experience with, with CATSA and their, and, their, and their workings. I was fortunate enough to be on the board of so I recognize that the individuals that do that screening job, I mean, they're there for a purpose and they are well-trained and it takes a long time, well, a lot of time. It's a, it's a, it's a process, but it takes uh, certainly uh, a number of days to train those individuals and be able to, sh- to, to ensure the traveling public, you know, that um, uh, nothing untoward is going to go through the screening points, whether it be their bags, which are going into the hold of the airplane or indeed their carry-on. And that, that process, uh, which I've undergone myself, um, 
Um, I, I think we need to understand that it is a process. It takes some time. And um, that's one of the things that, that one might say, well, Katza, why didn't you foresee this? Well, airlines, why didn't you foresee this? How did we know when COVID was going to uh, become uh, less, uh, uh, you know, less dangerous than in fact mm -hmm. and it is now? So this is part of the, these are part of the features which I think are causing travelers to shake their heads and say, what's going on here? And, but we're all part of the same thing, whether it be a traveler or an employee, we're all trying to get those waves out of that bullwhip and um, it's, it's happening, it, it's coming down. Well, Peter, you, you actually anticipated my next question, which was the anticipation question. Um, I suppose everyone's in the same boat. You just can't ramp up a travel industry overnight. You, you can't ramp it up overnight uh, and uh, people have to be patient. How patient do they have to be? I think uh, CAPSA has uh, hired more individuals back. They're retraining them. Um, the, uh, the process will take a while, but it is coming back. And... Um, um, uh, on the assumption that we don't have uh, another form of pandemic, which I certainly hope we don't, I, I think you'll find the passengers will find that uh, things will get back to uh, get back to normal, normal pre-pandemic. As someone who has ex extensive experience with airports, with the airline industry, with the with the regulatory side of it, or at least with the security side of it, rather, um, would there have been a way to try to to avoid sort of the scenes of sort of many many people arriving at airports all at once? Was there a way to have phased in the return in a way that didn't put passengers sort of left at airports wondering why they're waiting for so long? Well, you know that's that's a great question because then you could say, well, airlines. Could we please have a phased in uh, entry of your airplanes back into the marketplace? And um, which one of you are going to put your hand up to say, I'll hold back and not be the first one into that market? Well, guess what? There weren't too many hands in the air. And so, you know, everybody came back gangbusters thinking, all right, this it's, it's not a competitive edge, but we're going to serve our public. Why? Well, of course you want to serve your public because you've been sitting there with your revenue base completely decimated for years. So you're going to take advantage of any commercial opportunity you have as soon as you can. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. Um, do you worry about any long-term impacts or do you think this will dissuade people from traveling? Um, you know, I think the average person really wants to go visit the family they haven't seen for a long time, visit the grandchildren. Um, by the way, there's a cruise we've been putting off for a couple of years. It's time to to uh, to get back onto that no i i think people are really looking uh, for a new normal which kind of reflects the old normal uh, and just within the industry itself i mean what kind of conversations do you think have been going on the past little while here whether it be airport authorities or the government because there's been from just from a outsider's perspective there's been so much finger pointing going on uh that at some point you would have thought they would all have sat down and gotten all their stories straight and presented sort of a and, uh, you know, a common front to the public and said, here's the problem, here's how it works, here's how we're fixing it. But we haven't really seen that. It's been very chaotic, I find. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you don't know. You're sure that there are certain conversations going on with the various industry groups in Ottawa um, along the lines of, you know, how can we, how can we make this look in, for the traveling public and actually be a reality for the traveling public? You know, this chaos is going to be diminished. And I think uh, all those in that conversation will say, you know, we're doing our best. Um, we have all of these issues that we need to address, and we're doing that. Uh, government, maybe you can help us. Uh, if I were an airport, I would say, government, um, 
we recognize that you have cut back on your rents on our airports, uh, but you're also suggesting that maybe those rents should come back um, maybe a couple of months from now. Well, you know, we've lost millions and millions of dollars. We've almost had to shut these airports down, a couple of them, because we just couldn't afford to continue with our, with our debt because these airports are loaded with debt. And, and so um, if the government could step back and say, well, all right, we'll give you this rent holiday for a longer period of time, then that would, uh, that would create better, uh, a better atmosphere for at least the airports to, uh, to continue to provide uh, service, which includes, uh, you know, running an airport, you need, you've got runways to repair, you've got all sorts of infrastructure that needs to be dealt with. And these are, these are their realities and have to deal with them in real time with limited cash flows, which they've had to support them over the period of time that no one was flying. And everyone's coming back now. I'm speaking with Peter Wallace, an aviation expert with an extensive background in the industry at many different uh, levels, from airports to airlines and so forth. Uh, when we come back, speaking of airlines, uh, WestJet has a new strategic plan in place. It's a bit of a return to its roots or its namesake, at least focusing on Western Canada. And we'll get Peter's thoughts on that after this. I'm speaking with Peter Wallace this half hour. He's an aviation expert with an extensive background in the industry, including with airlines. WestJet, Calgary-based WestJet, where Peter is, Calgary-based WestJet uh, has a new uh, strategic plan in place that uh, focuses very much on its namesake, the West. Uh, Peter, what did you make of of, uh, of WestJet's new plan uh, revealed yesterday? Well, I, I thought it was interesting how it was uh, uh, positioned then, because um uh, yes, they appear to be cutting back, uh, certainly on some frequencies and aircraft types in, in eastern Canada, uh, apparently now refocusing on, on their routes, um, which would be the western routes in, 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 uh, in this uh, part of the country. But, you know, I, I think that, um, that it's a staged ap- approach that uh, the new president is taking. He's had 100 days to uh, basically find out what's going on and... Uh, He's probably come to the conclusion that maybe there's hyper competition in, in the east from Air Canada. And on routes, for example, like between Toronto and Montreal, where they run these smaller Q400 airplanes, well, they probably have too much capacity in that. Uh, smaller airplanes, not as attractive because it is a, uh, a turboprop. Uh, so they're going to remove a few of those frequencies and they're going to up the grade, uh, up the gauge and put uh, 737s on those routes. Um, they've got a pretty aggressive plan, you know, for continuing, for someone who says they're cutting back, they've got a pretty aggressive plan for airplane acquisitions. They've got uh, 30 uh, 737 MAX on order, 15 of which are going to be delivered in 2022. So they, I think they're just readjusting and they're going to be removing some capacity in the west, in, sorry, in the east, and uh, there'll be a lot more capacity of those smaller airplanes on routes in, in western Canada, which then raises the interesting question of what's what's the mix going to be look like now that we have uh, Flair plus our newest entrant in the marketplace, Lynx, who are ultra low cost carriers, which WestJet professed to be when it was uh, when it was first launched, but it's not an ultra low cost carrier anymore. No, lots of competition out west now. What could this mean ultimately for uh, those of us who live out west when it comes to flying? Well, I think you're going to find uh, more frequencies available on um, on, on WestJet. Uh, I think the ultra-low-cost carriers, and when I say ultra-low-cost, I'm talking about the flares and the and the uh, and the and the and the lynxes that basically give you a basic price, and then everything else is out of cart. Uh, you uh, 
you pay for um, seat selection, you pay for bags, you pay for everything. Um, and so at the end of the day, maybe the price differential between an ultra low cost carrier and what WestJet will try and do in the marketplace with a lower price, there may not be that much of a differential. Time, time will tell. But yes, you will see more flights uh, available in, in Western Canada with a diminishment of flights in, in the East. And in the East, WestJet's looking to, um, uh, with, its, with its partner now in, um, in um, a Sunwing, to uh, uh, offer some capacity there and do a lot more focusing on the um, leisure routes, the sunspots, with its partnership with uh, its ownership with Sunwing, which they hope to accomplish very shortly through the, um, through the regulatory process. Yeah, will it be cheaper flights, do you think, for Western travelers? Um, I'd wait and see on that one. I think the cheaper flights will be driven by the ultra-low-cost carriers, and whether the price point, once you've done the add-ons, is going to be significantly less than what um, uh, WestJet will offer uh, through its, either its own main line or through Scoop, which is its... Um, ultra-low-cost carrier model, it remains to be seen. Uh, we, a decade ago, more now, actually, we spoke about WestJet really competing with Air Canada to be Canada's national airline. Is this a bit of a step back, or, or is that what we're seeing? I, I think uh, for WestJet, I'd say it's a refocus. Um, they're still going to be providing competitive services across the country. There'll still be connections, and um, they, they. but I think you can reach the conclusion that they're stepping back in the sense that they are readjusting their schedules to be less concentration, higher, higher um, um, offerings in Eastern Canada. Those are going to disappear from a frequency perspective, but they'll still be there. They'll be, they'll be a major player in the marketplace. I guess they, like all airlines, though, are going through this period now where they're having to try to bring back staff at a fairly rapid rate. Um, a lot of staff that had been furloughed or, or laid off during, that, during the last few years. That's absolutely correct. And uh, the, uh, you know, like, like the airports, as we talked about earlier, they are struggling to bring these people back. And, you know, interestingly enough, I, I don't know what the numbers are, uh, but I suspect there's some friction here in trying to get the people back because um, once you've been laid off, maybe you want to look somewhere else and maybe they have looked somewhere else and maybe they have a job and they've decided that the romance of the aviation industry uh, has paled a little bit and they won't be returning. It's hard to say. It's hard to, sometimes it's hard to imagine how fast time has flown by, no pun intended, but WestJet is now a, now a relatively uh, senior company, a senior airline in this country. They certainly are. Um, it was a, a long time ago, a long time in the past where Clyde Beto and his five partners uh, made an announcement that they were going to be taking a run at, uh, at Air Canada and that other carrier called Canadian. Which you, which you know well. And it's been, I mean, in that sense, it has been, it was quite the, quite the bold move and has seemed to, we'll see what happens in the future, but seems to have paid off. I think, uh, I, th I think so. I think WestJet has made a significant contribution to aviation in Canada and to the economy of the country. And, um, you know, they'll be commended for that. And we wish them all the best as they move into the future. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. Peter Wallace, thank you so much for your time. Thank you.